0: Crooked Conversations is brought to you by Squarespace. It's brought to you by Squarespace, everyone. Squarespace makes beautiful products to help people with creative ideas succeed.
1: You know, an idea is just a dream that hasn't been made into some sort of a website.
0: That's what they say. Turn your cool idea into a new website. You can publish content, sell products and services, promote your business, announce an upcoming project. Any way you want to showcase your work, make it with Squarespace. <laughs> make it. Dream it. do you it. can buy burp.com. <laughs> With all the outtakes. <laughs> Drinking a lot of Diet Coke before the ads is not the Never best idea. a good idea. Squarespace empowers millions of people from individuals and local artists to entrepreneurs shaping the world's most iconic businesses. Like Squarespace. Like bright Crooked Media.
1: I've said this before and I'll say it again. Most iconic. What's this iconic scale? What does iconic even mean? Good? It just Very means unique Good and famous. To share their stories right? and create yeah. an
0: impactful, stylish, easy-to-manage online presence. Squarespace the strives The most good and excellent. famous. With beautiful templates created by world-class designers, powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online, and analytics that help you grow. With 24-7 award-winning customer support, there's nothing to patch or upgrade ever. So go ahead and check out squarespace.com convos for a free trial. Free and when, trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code CONVOS. Convos. <laughs> convos. You know who's going to have a
1: free trial pretty soon? Decline. Michael Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Trump, but good one. Because they don't make you pay for your trial. I guess you have to pay your lawyers, but you don't have to pay for like the lights at the court. And some libertarians think that you should Because they're cray
0: the, crooked co- the quote is Convos, it saves you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain Make it yourself, make it real Dream it, do it Squarespace Squarespace cool
2: Hey, I'm Dara McKesson, the host of Pod Save the People, and you are listening to Crooked Conversations. On today's show, I chat with Robin Deedy, host of the late night show, The Rundown. On BT, I wanted to chat with Robin because I followed her career for a while, and this show is such a great show, and I just had to have a conversation about what it was like to be in the media, what it's like to be one of the few women in late night, and then like what her plans are for the show moving forward. I hope that you watch the show, too, so that we can have a conversation about it. And I can't wait to hear Robin come back on Pate of the People so we can continue this conversation about her experiences and the media. If you like the conversation, be sure to check out the podcast I host, Pate of the People, where we have all kinds of great interviews and a breakdown of the news uh, that's the most overlooked but still really important. We're back for the second season this week, and you should check it out. Anyway, let's go to this conversation about Robin Thede. hope you enjoy it. I have so many questions for you uh, things that, like, I never got to ask you before because we always saw each other in, like, you know, busy, busy moments. Is that what is it like to have worked on so many cool shows where you were, like, the, you were, like, the brains behind the scenes, like, making the jokes, sort of, like, making sure Will Moore or, like, you worked on the Queen Latifah show, like, making sure that they really did well. And now, like, you're, it's, like, your show. You have a group of writers now. Like, what is that? How's that been?
3: It's been really cool. I mean, I you're right. I was the kind of, I was always performing, but in my writing capacities, I really was really influential with a lot of people's different shows, and that's that's what an honor, right? Like, that's been really cool to be able to uh, to help shape uh, projects that are so near and dear to so many people. And uh, you know, I I never took that lightly. I think one of the things I was known for in my career was being able to spend time with someone quickly. And understand their voice, and be able to pitch some things that you know are tailored for them. And I think that's one of the things that I did to make myself valuable behind the scenes. And then in front of the scenes, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Well, what does the audience want to see? What's the thing that's not out there that I can give them that will be entertaining?
2: Did you have to? Did you have to let go a little bit of of wanting to be, or I don't know how to ask this. Like I, you know, you were a writer. Now you now you have a team of writers who who sort of write for you, do you put a little more distance in between that process now? Are you as involved as you were before? Like, how does that work? I'm just curious.
3: Yeah. Well, as you know, as a writer and then a head writer, you know, you're involved with every word of the script. And um, as a host, I'm still a writer as well. I'm an executive producer and all these different hats creator. But um, yeah, I think I spend a lot of time with the writers every day And every draft of the scripts that come in, I give notes and rewrite. And I still write a lot of the jokes. (laughs) You know, no shade to my writers. They write a ton (laughs) of the jokes, obviously. Um, uh, I don't want to take credit for that. But they give me a fantastic foundation. And then we sit as a group and punch the scripts and rewrite together. So that's all. It's not like I just walk on stage and read from the teleprompter. So I'm very involved in the writing process. But they gave me, you know, um, 90% of the material to work with. And And then I'll take... Um, you know, but I have a lot of input in how we carry the stories and how we talk about them and what my point of view is. So it's all rooted in them knowing me, you know, the same thing I used to do as a writer, then they just, I just taught them to do for me. So, you know, I think it's, it's all two sides of the same process. And I think the cool part for me is that they give me such great material to work with, um, that I can just, you know, shine it up with a few jokes here and there, but I don't have to certainly write things from scratch. And that is the benefit of, of hosting your own show is that, you know, you have these amazing writers who um, can give you such great material.
2: And you are, you are the only black woman in late night. One of just two women in late night right now, right?
3: Yeah. Um Sarah Silverman show is coming back, I think, and Michelle Wolf starts this summer. But yeah, currently it's just me and Sam B.
2: What is it like to how I don't, is is there like is that is that a lot of pressure? Uh do you feel like what just what is that like? Let's start there. What is that like for you?
3: You know, for me it's it's really unique because as the only African American woman host, um, I'm able to say things and speak up, I think, for black women in ways that nobody else can and that other people kind of get nervous about or don't feel like they have the authority to talk about. You know, like, I'm certainly not going to come on my show and say, you know, uh, as a white man, I feel this way because that is not true. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so being able to go on my show and say, as a black woman, I feel this way is just, you know, a space where only I get to really do that as a host. You know, There are, thank God there are other correspondents in, on other shows who are holding it down, but I get to come out every Thursday and say exactly what I feel, and there's nobody else on the show. It's just me. So, um, you know, I think it feels like a certain amount of responsibility, but it doesn't really feel like pressure because I don't have to represent for every black person or every black woman. I just have to be a voice, and I'm looking forward to the day when I'm not the only one, Um Uh, Because I think that we have a lot to offer, and I think we've proven with the critical acclaim of the show that that it is something people want to hear.
2: Now, I was watching, um, I think episode one twenty-three, which is a lot of episodes. Uh, The (laughs) one I was like, "Oh my, this is a lot of episodes." Uh, well, a, the
3: one only means season one. We've only done. Oh, I was like, episodes. goodness! <laughs> girl. I was like,
2: this is a lot. I was like, why I was like, 123. I was like, I missed a lot. That makes me feel better. I was like, I thought I saw <laughs> I them. A hundred shows. And I, I was like, did I really miss that many shows? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Okay, that makes me feel better. I was like, that's
3: a secret in TV. You always put the the number of the season first, and then the episode number. That's so what, every you know, show does that.
2: I only see them online, and like I went back and. Um, I was watching the one with Judge Maybelline and um, and you talking about. I can't even now. It's awkward because I can only think about what you called them, and I can't even think about those that what the, the two black women, the props,
3: oh, pebbles and polyester.
2: Right to stop it. <laughs> that's what, That's not what they call themselves. <laughs> Oh my God. Anyway, so I was watching that episode and I was like, did I really miss a hundred episodes? It's like, whew. <laughs> I thought, I, you know, I thought I was her friend and clearly I've been slacking, but okay, I haven't missed that many.
3: Good. No, you're good. You're good.
2: Is that, how do you choose? So you, so the I was going to ask you like, why is it called the rundown? But I know it's called the rundown because you do run down. So I don't need to ask you that. But how do you choose, <laughs> how did you choose like the number of things to run down? Because that's sort of different. Is that like there's... A lot of other shows sort of have, like, a couple things that they sort of talk about. And then they go into these sort of segments. And you sort of do this rundown. um, And then how did you choose the number? I'm curious. And the third is, is like, how do you you choose, like, the stuff? The balance between, like – that's why that episode was interesting. It was, like, the balance between the Trump stuff, which you could make a whole show on, versus the, like – you know, you talked about Zuckerberg. Like you talked about, like, there's a range. Like, how do you make Cosby, those decisions? Yeah. yeah, Cosby.
3: Well, the show that I sold was a mix of politics and pop culture, and treating equally, uh, treating them equally because I think that you can care about what's going on with um, Cardi B and also care uh, who the te- Secretary of State is. Right. So right. <laughs> I think that's okay to carry to carry thoughts about both. Um, so. Every week we just strive for a balance of that. The number of topics varies from week to week. I mean, and what happens is we have this kind of inception level of jokes and coverage. So even if we're talking about Mark Zuckerberg, we're going to make a Black China joke in it or a, um, you know, another pop culture joke, Killer Mike and Joy Reid. Like we're going to make a reference inside the stories to another story. So whenever we're talking about politics, we always reference pop culture. And whenever we're talking about pop culture, we always reference politics. Um, Just to show that the line between the two has completely been blurred. And honestly, I love the shows the most where I don't talk about Trump at all. Um, He just unfortunately doesn't allow us to every week avoid him. But um, but there are many shows that we've done in the hundreds and hundreds of shows that you missed. Um, (laughs) I was like, oh my God. Where we don't talk about Trump. Is, is Yeah. So is, I think that's how we decide. Every week we just go, look, what hasn't been covered ad nauseum on other shows? What is something that we have a unique opinion on? What is something that only I can say? And that's kind of what makes the cut. And then everything else. We had a story about Meek Mill last week, but it just got cut for time. So we, we recorded it in front of the audience, but in the final edit, you didn't see it at home.
2: Can you feel the difference in the way the entire space is that you're in right now because of trump and i ask because you've like this is not your first foray right you've been in you've right. been in tv for a while uh, and you you you've been in it sort of before obama during obama and now trump can you like yeah. how would you describe what's happening now and maybe it's no difference and this is just sort of tv just as tv but i thought i'd ask
3: oh no it's definitely different In the Obama era, people struggled to make fun of Obama, and we found ways by the time his second term came around, but never as much as Trump. I mean, Trump—I think comedians for sure um, uh, knew that there was an opportunity to criticize this president uh, beyond uh, recent history, right? Obama didn't give that many— things to criticize him about. I mean, if we remember his biggest scandal was wearing a beige suit, you know, and uh, he didn't have love children and porn stars suing him and lies and Watergate level scandals and FBI investigations. uh, You know, not since really George W. has, I think, late night been able to skewer. And honestly, it's even it's 10 times more uh, fodder with this president than any other. But I think the biggest thing about what's happened since Obama was president and now that Trump is, is that I think the White Hosts, which is redundant, I guess, because everybody's a <laughs> White Host except for Trevor and me. Right. Um, but the White Hosts, um, uh they uh found a space where they could be openly critical and take more of a liberal stance and that people would buy it because so many people are disgusted by this president and that they knew that would be a place where they could kind of um, cut their teeth in a different way. I mean, I think in the Obama years, it was all Kardashian jokes and it was all um, silly, really poppy, uh, very much less political um uh, material on these shows, and now it's why I think there's a boom in late night. It's why there's so many people, and why women are coming. And you know, Hassan Minhaj is getting a show. Why it's an act show just started last week. So you know, I think a lot of late night folks are getting a new run. Uh, who are people of color and women who wouldn't have had the chance before because people are realizing that those voices are important. Finally, in 2018, and in uh, realizing that, I think. Look, I want to give Larry Wilmore credit. I think the nightly show did a lot had a lot more impact than Comedy Central or others gave it credit for, and uh, it really opened the way for super open political discourse after the Jon Stewart era in a way that was was interesting, in a way that was different, and I did see that firsthand, and I think on my show, I just wanted to um, return to some of the pop culture, but not uh, forget about what's happening in politics. But also for me, it's genuine. Like I criticize this president genuinely. I didn't do this as a way to make my show stand out. Do you know what I mean? There's people who ha- who were already on air who kind of had to switch to that tactic. And I'm not saying it's not genuine. I'm just saying that they've had to adjust. And whereas I came on obviously last year um, already set in knowing that this president was trash.
2: Uh, yes, very much so. <laughs> I'm Doreen McKesson, host of of the People, and you're listening to Quicket Conversations. More with Robin Deedy after this break.
0: Quicket Conversations is brought to you by Quip. 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 Do you guys know that most of us are brushing our teeth wrong? Yes. Not for long enough? Well, I'm not because I have a quip, but go on. I have a quip. And forget to change our brush on time. It's gross. That's because most brands focus on selling flashy gimmicks. Rather than better brushing, how dare they? But not Quip, not Quip. What do you think makes Quip so different? I my I the timer. Wh- I have a gold one. Okay, okay. <laughs> thanks, thanks, uh, thanks, John. <laughs> For st- <laughs> you're special. For starters, Quip is an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of bulkier brushes, while still packing just the right amount of vibrations to help clean your teeth. What was that? Ooh, boy, here we go. Quip's- right amount of vibrations, you say. Quip's built-in timer helps you clean for the dentist-recommended two minutes with guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides. The guiding sides. pulses, it may seem like two minutes, but it's longer. Guiding pulses <laughs> sounds like a band from the 70s or
1: 80s. Tommy wouldn't high-five me, so I just hit him.
0: <laughs> Next, Quip's subscription plans are for your health, not just convenience. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide, wherever you are. Do
1: you find that you like a new head? For the guiding pulses.
0: Quip also comes with a mount that suctions right to your what mirror. What was that about? Mounts? And it unsticks to use as a cover for hygienic travel. That's where you mount the
1: you mount the head. Wherever
0: the, you take your teeth.
1: That but what I don't understand why you're laughing. The mount is where you keep the head. And finally, everyone loves the head Quip. Had
0: pulses. They were on Oprah's O-List. <laughs> oh I bet. <laughs> And it's the first subscription electronic toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association. Plus, they're backed by a network of over 20,000 dentists and hygienists. When you're rolling with a network of twenty thousand dentists and hygienists, yeah, you're coming in coming in hot. Coming you can't go deep. wrong. That's a lot of dentists. You can't go wrong. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash crooked convos. Spelled G E T Q U I P dot com slash crooked convos. Quip starts at just twenty five dollars, and if you get quip.com slash crooked convos right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a quip electric toothbrush. Boom. Get those guiding pulses.
3: You like to watch new stuff, right?
2: Season one's almost over. Season 150 is almost
3: over. (laughs) Yes, our season finale is this Thursday.
2: How has it been for you? Is there there one rundown that you're like, that was from top to finish just like magic. Like it felt good. It landed good. You're like, this one is like, you walk away and you'll be like, that'll be a memory from season one. Uh,
3: Is it bad to say that there's several? Like, I'm really proud of this show. Yeah, yeah, no, Um, I want to hear some. Yeah, there was, you know, there was one week, this was earlier in the year, there was, um, Cory Booker and Kamala Harris went in on this woman who essentially was testifying before Congress and lying about President Trump and the specifics of it don't matter. But I remember our coverage of it being just really funny and really poignant. And I was just thinking about it. Like, look at us. Like we have two black senators, one a man, one a woman, Uh, Who I can talk about and reference in a story about this awful president as um, people who are looking out for our interests. Like I think about things, these kind of watershed moments and not only in my show, but the things I'm able to talk about and the progress that we're making, Um, you know, and I think there's so many. I mean, we did a really epic takedown of R. Kelly a couple of weeks ago, and I think it's really important to stand up for black women and girls. Um, in cases where they're being victimized, and again, that's not. No one else is going to talk about R. Kelly <laughs> except maybe like a a, a pee punchline or something, you know. And right. I. Um, I'm just really proud of the times when we've been able to be a voice for other people. I'm really proud of the documentaries that we've done. I'm really proud of, um, you know, analyzing. We did a documentary last week on black pain and how its implicit bias keeps doctors from being able to treat patients the same way, uh, according to race, which is crazy. And again, no one else is going to do this this segment, you know, and. Um, we did a documentary short on how AI is racist and basically (laughs) robots are trained to be racist, which is insane, but a hundred percent true. Um, you know, there's just things that I'm really passionate about, but every week, the rundown has something in it for me that I'm proud about or really excited to talk about. That's the nice thing about being on weekly and only really being on less than 30 minutes with commercials, um, is that we can be very, very picky about the things that we do talk about, even though the show is very dense. So, you know, the Kamala Corey thing was just, like, one example. It was, like, a really good episode. Um, I don't remember what else was in it, but um, but I was just thinking about that because we were rewatching it the other day as an example for a story. But, you know, every week there's something, and I think for me, like, when Doug Jones got elected and 98% of black women – were responsible for electing him. You know, I came out with eight dancers of all ages and sizes of black women and, and, you know, said, you're welcome America, you know? And it was like, you know, so there's just been moments where, or when Omarosa was fired, we had a lot of fun with that rundown, you know, um, or ejected or whatever she was, you know, <laughs> ejected. whatever happened I'm oh like, so, Robin, get out of here. Ejected.
2: Yeah. Stop it.
3: <laughs> completely ejected out of the White House. I want to know too. Do two... not go, do not collect you're $200. So
2: ejected. Like you can never come back. Is, um, as somebody who like you're you're a storyteller right you're like telling stories to a mass audience every week in this process have your ideas changed on certain issues like I'd be interested to to hear about that like you sort of started an angle and you're like okay I think we should do this then you learn more you're like whoa didn't know this or like how does that play out
3: yeah yeah I mean I think for for me it's um You know, I've been watching the political process for many years because I've been in that business, right, in the late-night comedy space. And, um, you know, for the better part of the last four or five years, I've been in it every day. Um, So that's not really surprising, just kind of watching where that stuff is going. But the stuff that is the most surprising to me, I think, again, would be these docs that we've been able to do. Um, I think a lot of people – I grew up with friends that had sickle cell and literally did not know until, like, a year ago that – People who weren't black could get sickle cell. And I was like ashamed that I didn't know that. Oh,
2: wow, wow, wow. Um, you learned that in the yeah, process of it- making the documentary.
3: Well, I learned it when I met this woman, Cassandra, who we featured in the documentary a year ago in Chicago at the Empower Her conference. And I was like, when my show is up, I'm definitely doing a piece about this. So yeah, so she she hipped me to that information. And then I was like, okay, I definitely want to do a piece about black pain and how it's handled and the treatment that we get versus white people. And then just digging into um, robotics and technology, digging into housing gentrification and how, um, you know, as Miami... Rises as the sea level rises in Miami will disappear in a few years. How black people are being pushed out of their neighborhoods because they live in the less desirable, used to be less desirable areas uh, that are higher above ground that are now more desirable. You know, it's, it's like things like that that are the new racism. You know, people always think, oh, racism is just somebody calling you the N-word or two black dudes being arrested in Starbucks for doing nothing. Uh, but but what it, but what racism is, is really much more entrenched in our everyday society. It's in our medical care. It's in our housing. It's in our education. It's in our schools. It's in our um, it's in tax filing. Like it's literally it's implicit bias and race and outright racism is in so much of what we do. And I don't have to tell you that, but it's that to me has been really eye opening and uh I think I know it now in more concrete ways. I knew it before and I think we always, we all walk around with that kind of halo knowing, uh, uh, just that knowing, right? That implicit knowing of um, that things aren't right when they're not right. But now I can put Facts with that knowing, um, where I didn't know them necessarily before. I knew a lot, but you know, this process has definitely opened up my eyes to a lot of things and and um, and solutions to those things too. How to get more Black people in tech? How to how to help train police officers and and doctors and teachers better so that they don't fall prey to the same things that have been so ingrained in the systems that we use every day.
2: Is There are a lot of people who who sort of feel like in this moment, yes, we have new language to talk about these things and there are shows like yours that help uh, sort of create a different type of entrance. So even though the content is heavy, like people don't have to experience it heavily. Uh, Yeah. But- but they feel like nothing's changing right they're like sort of why are we why are we even doing this cuz it seems like nothing's changing what do you say to those people
3: i say that things are changing and you know why they're changing because we know about them so racism sexism uh, you know, transphobia, homophobia, all these things already existed. They didn't just come up now. I think a lot of people are like, wow, the world's really racist. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> right. Things are changing because we're seeing it now and we're seeing change and we're seeing people march on Washington in the millions. We're seeing people march outside of their schools. We're seeing kids take up their own power to combat gun violence in their schools and in their communities. We're seeing, uh, Finally, we're seeing the black kids that are taking those same movements get credit uh, who have been doing it for years. You know, so I think um, the more we hear about things and the more people are outraged by these things, that is change because there were plenty of times. I mean, in the Obama years, there were people forget that Ferguson, you obviously don't, but people forget that Ferguson wasn't under Trump. Like Trayvon Martin wasn't under Trump. Like Flint, Michigan wasn't under Trump. All of those were Obama era travesties. Not blaming them on him at all, but I'm just saying, like racism and implicit bias and 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 these sorts of uh, ingrained um, prejudices have always been there, and they didn't go away just because we got the right to vote. Um, a friend of mine was saying she went on a, a black friend of mine was saying she went on a date with a white guy, and he said, "Well, ever since the civil rights movement, black people haven't have been equal." And she's like, "What?
2: I'm like, <laughs> what What uh, are you, say- what are you, are you
3: saying?" Isn't that crazy? So she, she was like, all right, well, this date is over. But it made her really think, like, wow. And I think she's right. I think a lot of white people do think that after black people got the right to vote, that everything was equal. Or certainly after affirmative action, which they don't realize benefited a majority of white women, um, think that 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 black people um, are on equal footing. And it's just not true. And so I think I would say to people who say things aren't changing is that we're in a tr- transitional period where we're having an awakening um, on a grander scale outside of the black community about the racism that's happening to the black community and the sexism that's happening to women with the me too movement and to disabled people, to native people, like just so many things that are happening and we're not taking it anymore. People are standing up and they're saying like, this is ridiculous. And I think they're taking a lot of lessons from the civil rights movement and from the movement of black lives matter and all these movements that are happening now, they're taking the molds of those and saying, yeah, well guess what? Like, This is all bad. All of these things are bad. There shouldn't be any gun violence. There should be no racism. There should be no blah, blah, blah. So I think the fact that, like I said, that Starbucks story with the two guys getting arrested for doing literally what everyone does in Starbucks, which is wait and don't buy anything, um, I think that that is indicative of the outrage. And I know people get tired of being outraged. But I think the fact that we are outraged by those things and the fact that those make national and worldwide media means that things are changing.
2: And what's a piece of advice that you've gotten over the years that stuck with you?
3: Make yourself valuable. Do the the things that only you can do and find a way to get paid for it. (laughs) And find a way to get paid for it. And find a way to get paid for it. You got to keep that part because the thing is, like, who wants to be stuck in a job that you don't like? So do something. What are you – I always tell people this. They're like, well, I want to do what you do. And I'm like, okay, well – what are you going to do to get there? And they're like, I don't know. What did you do? And I'm like, well, my process is very different and I don't have a typical process. You're probably not going to want to spend 15 years writing for other people. <laughs> you know, people want this kind right. of overnight success. And my thing is you've got to do what you're great at. I love sketch comedy and improv and I loved writing. So I just did that for many, many years and until I, and I performed a lot, but, but you know, certainly didn't have my own show until recently. Um, but I was patient about that, and I knew that that was my place in the in the world that I chose to make money in. So, for me, don't run anybody else's race. Just find what makes you valuable, what you're really really good at, and then just find a way to get paid for it. And then nobody can take your spot. Like if you're really really good at crocheting, you know, Black Panther symbols, then that's what you just need to. do. T- <laughs> I don't know where I got. That
2: from. I know crocheting <laughs> Black Bandit <Panther> symbols. <laughs>
3: okay and but you yo, said you it wanna so
2: find that you, person. you let it just roll off your tongue too like you know if you're really good at it's like okay crocheting black panther i was gonna but let you ride I that one now to find
3: that person that was right
2: or crocheting <laughs> the, uh base hbcu a uh, beyonce cu yes
3: that would be amazing. I mean, listen, th- there's so much renewed interest since Chella in the HBCUs like that. You could really make money doing that. Like people, uh, you know, there's always a need for something. And I feel like you just got to find a way to make money doing it because otherwise you're going to make money doing something you hate. And who cares? That, that money is useless. Um, so, you know, life's too short, man. Just make yourself invaluable. Get paid for it.
2: Now, what um, what is next for you?
3: Well, our season finale is this Thursday, uh, episode 124. <laughs> which is just Shush. episode 24. Uh, (laughs) So I'm really excited about that. We're doing a really special finale called Seat Snatch 2018, which is celebrating all the black women candidates uh, who are running for office in the midterm elections in 2018. There is a record number of black women running. Almost 600 are running. I think we're at 595, 597. We may be at more by Thursday. Uh, So we are celebrating them. We are talking about. Uh, we will have a regular rundown, but we will also celebrate them in a really special way. We've got a couple of great live music performances, and we've also got a really fun segment that we're doing about, uh, about the black women who are running, but also about how we can help support them and how we can get them not only uh, the votes that they need, but once they get in office, how we can support them as well.
2: Cool. And where can people go to just follow you?
3: I am on all social media at just Rob. uh, Not I don't want to say. Whenever I say that, I go at just Robin Thede, and then people (laughs) look for that. So I am on all social media at Robin Thede, R O B I N T H E D E, and it is Thede, not Theed, uh, like a lot of people like to say. Is Theed the most common
2: mispronunciation? Like Thede? Do people say Thede? No, Thede is fine. Yeah,
3: sometimes or Tida. One person said Titty, which was weird. (laughs) Oh my god!
2: I can only imagine your face is like, uh, not me. Like, name.
3: yeah, that's it, Robin Titty. Yep, you got it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm just at Robin Titty on all social media. Made it very easy, and I'm a super fun follow. So feel free to join the party. Um, uh, yeah, but I'll be I'll be out there. And then uh, this summer, I've got some other stuff coming up that I obviously can't talk about. But um, but yeah, I'm really excited about it, and. Um, I'm just I love making the rundown and I'm really hopeful that we'll get a season two and that we'll be back in the fall doing it all over again
2: Robin you are, we consider you a friend of the pie can't wait to have you back can't wait to see what's in store over the summer and then after that
3: thank you so much DeRay I love your podcast I love you you know this and thank you for just giving power back to the people man <laughs>
2: I'm Doreen McKesson, and that was my conversation with Robin Didi, host of The Rundown on BET. My show, Pate the People from Crooked Media, is back this week. You should check it out. We've got an interview with Brene Brown. We talk about race, justice, trauma, joy. It's a follow-up on our public conversation at Riverside.